Well, I want to say good morning to you this morning. Uh, Pastor Joey here, welcome to Stonesill Community Church. And if you are uh, new or somewhat new, maybe been away a while and you're back again here this morning, just know that you're stepping into an exciting series that we're doing uh, and have been doing now for um, all three weeks. And the series is entitled, uh, per the screen, The Chosen. Seeing Jesus as you've never seen him. You know, I know this series is making an impact because um, there's someone here that uh, just shared, has shared with me their experience. Well, I'll just tell you, Tim Skimmerhorn shared with me a couple of times about what this series has meant to him. And he's kind of missed it up in his eyes when he's told me about it. So I know the Lord is using this series to touch and shape hearts. And, uh, and so as far as the order of this, like if you want to watch the episode before the sermon, that's great. If you want to, it'll, uh, you know, the sermon will prepare you for what you're going to see. If you want to watch it after the message, then you're going to watch it with a, a, a more enlightened um, perspective as well. So um, either way you do it, just take the time, those of you online and those of you at uh, Stone Seal Home here this morning, take the time. Um, to watch those things and everybody's telling me they're binge watching them and so it's not just watching one or two they're like watching all eight within a couple day time frame because um, it's just that powerful and and if you've been journeying with us you know that we see Jesus is the kind of savior um, that loves to have to eat a meal um, with with people like uh, and a prostitute shows up and and he ministers to them. Uh, he's, he's the kind of uh, savior that likes to interact and engage um, with the people on the margins and fringes of society. And, he, and, and we see that. And we've seen that. And then, of course, Jesus is the kind of savior. He's a kind of Messiah that loves to take time to interact um, with the least of these. He loves to spend time with children. Um, and then... Not only that, but as you're going to see in the text today, he actually gets a little miffed. Uh, in fact, quite upset when his disciples are more of a barrier than a bridge. And that's a good question for us isn't, uh, this morning, isn't it? Am I a barrier to Jesus or am I a bridge? And the disciples were being a barrier. And I'll give you some reasons as to why they're being a barrier in just a few moments. You know, um, after service, it's typical for me to talk to some people um, maybe they'll come up and I'll share with families maybe that's uh, come in for a visit or uh, maybe some something meant a lot to someone in a message in the certain point of the message and they'll share with me and things and last week I was just sharing with different people and I noticed that little Luke Mead he's almost five years of age had come up and he was sitting um, all about three rows back and I just kept talking to this one and this one. And I'd glance down every now and then and I'd see Luke. And, and it's usually the people who want to come up and talk are usually uh, adult age people, right? And so they're talking about the message or whatever. But Luke just sat there and he sat there and he sat there. And so then uh, finally it's like, you know, Luke's got something on, my, on his mind. And like uh, back when he was age three, he told me one day, he, he said, Joey, you want to fight? I'm going to beat you up. He was three years of age. So I was like, well, it's been two years. Maybe he's going to make do on that promise. So it's like, I better address this while I can. And so I said, hey, Luke, what's up? And so he just ran up to me and just kind of jumped up in my arms. And I just gave him a big hug. He gave me a big hug. And I was like, and that was it. That's all he wanted to do was just jump up, jump up and give me a hug. And so... I've been thinking about that, especially in light of the chosen episode three that we're going to deal with today that deals with children. And um, I've been doing this stuff for, oh, 20 some years. And it seems like every child will go through a really tender phase like that. Now, I have no idea what we're going to get from Luke a year from now. Okay, nobody knows. But I'm sure it's going to be great. But what I'm saying is he's at that very precious age where he knows like he knew if he came up to give me a hug, there was going to be 125% acceptance. He knew that. I wasn't going to turn away. I wasn't going to reject. I was going to receive that hug because he wanted to share with me that he loved me. He cared for me. 
And I think that Jesus has something like that in mind when he says, you're not going to uh, inherit the kingdom of heaven unless you become like a child. And I think he's got it in mind that, you know, there's a lot of things we can say about children. Uh, there, you know, and, and when Jesus says to become like a child, he's not asking us to become childish, right? Childlike, child hyphen like, childlike. Well, how are we to become childlike? And I think that one of the things that we often overlook is that a child just knows a four-year-old a five-year-old can walk into the room walk into the family with everybody and they just know that they want to hear what they have to say they know they just they want to pay attention to them they want to be with them they just know they're going to be accepted right they just know that and i think that when you when it comes to jesus we often think about well you know we think in terms of arguments for the gospel What's an argument I can give for the gospel? And I can give you arguments for the existence of God. I can give you arguments for uh, the Bible. I can defend that stuff. But here's what I want to tell you. That ultimately what moves a heart is, is a person who understands that the gospel is more someone you place your confidence in than someone you try to win in an argument with. It's someone you place your confidence in. See, Luke has confidence in, in, in this guy up here that teaches every week. He has confidence that that guy loves me, right? He loves me and accepts me, and, and, and I'm going to go give him a hug because he may need one today. And boy, I, and, and I do. Sometimes after these messages, I wonder if anybody ever come back again. But he, uh, he gave me a hug and, and with, uh, with unconditional acceptance. Here's what I want to tell you today. You know what? It doesn't matter who you are. I'll always give you a hug. Whatever your orientation is, whatever your gender is, whatever your political affiliations are, all that stuff beside the point. You will always get a hug, never be turned away from. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. And church is a place where you should be able to go and get that, regardless of who you've been, where you've been, or what you've done. And Jesus said we got to have a simple heart like that. We have to have a childlike heart like that, where I know that when, I, when it comes to Jesus, I, yeah, he's going to speak truth to me, and he's going to clarify what that is. But I know there's a place where there's acceptance, there's love, and I want to receive him. See, kids don't come ready to negotiate. Well, maybe I'll give Jesus a shot at this. Maybe I won't. And, uh, and uh, you know, if this goes okay and Jesus is what he's supposed to be, then the, I'll, if he fulfills my expectations and stuff, you know, I'll, I'll uh, negotiate this contract with Jesus. Kids don't come negotiating like that. They're so small. They're so small. They have no leverage. They have no status. They have very little money to call their own. They don't control their bath times. They don't control their bedtimes. They're just so small, so inconsequential, so seemingly inconsequential, seemingly insignificant. And Jesus says, that's what those who receive the fullness of the kingdom of God are people who understand that Jesus is one who invites them into something Something greater, something bigger, something pure, something um, that can change their life, that can put them on a new path. And, and the only thing that can really do that is to have someone you can place your confidence in that will see you through, that will be a voice of truth, that will guide you in this path. And so, uh, so when it comes to the gospel, we see so many beautiful things and we especially see it in the life of children. Now, I want to talk to you about that um, for a little bit here this morning, and then I'm going to wrap up today. We'll talk a little bit about the Charger, the Charge Back to School event, which was an incredible event. It happened this Friday, so we're, not, we're a church that believes we should love our community, that we should bless our community, kind of like, you, and it's kind of neat because you guys lived the sermon this week. It, it's it's kind of unusual for you to live the sermon before I actually give it. You lived it this week, praise God. And uh, I'll tell you, tell a little bit more about that. But we believe 
that those who think the most of the next world will do the most in this one. And that's true. Those who believe in the next world do, do the most in this current world. And boy, you're doing that in this community and you're loving this community and you're being Jesus to this community. And it was just so awesome. But when I think about a childlike heart and I think about some of the reasons maybe Jesus loved children so much, I think of, of some of the things that I read here just this week. There's Patrick, age 10. He says, never trust a dog to watch your food. Boy, that's good advice, isn't it? Hannah, age 9, uh, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer. And Talia at age 11, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. <laughs> and Andrew at age 9, a puppy always has bad breath even after eating a Tic Tac. <laughs> Lauren, age 9, felt tip markers are not good to use as lipstick. Aliesha, I know, we hear some groans from the body on that. Aliesha, 13, when you get a bad grade in school, show it to your mom when she's on the phone. Good advice. <laughs> Some of you like that one. It's like, I'm going to use that. Okay, Joel, age 10, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. That's good advice. And Eileen, age 8, who said, never try to baptize a cat. <laughs> that could get ugly, so... I think those are some of the reasons why Jesus loved kids so much. And if I could just succinctly state this, pull my, uh, let's see, Mark 10, 13 through 16. Pull that up because we're going to read that in just a second. I think all the verses fit on one slide. Yes, they do. Makes it easy. But when we read this, and, and in fact, I'll just read through it real quick and we'll go a little slower through it in a second, second pass. But people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them and he blessed them. Those are beautiful words. They're powerful words. But we have to understand the context in which they're given because that even makes it more beautiful and powerful. Because it's really interesting when you look at big picture stuff in Mark's gospel, three times Jesus predicts his death in Mark's gospel. Guys, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die for the, for the sins of the world. Three times. And you know what? All three times the disciples respond with, Peter rebukes Jesus. No, you're not going to do that. The second time, there's a debate over who's the greatest in the kingdom. You know, Jesus, you're going to Jerusalem. You're going to ride in. You're going to lead the revolution. You're going to be the new king. You're going to check the Romans, put them in their place. And, and there's this debate over who's the greatest in the kingdom. And then Jesus talks about it again. His, his going to Jerusalem, what's going to happen there? And then they talk about the disciples want to argue about the chief seats in the kingdom. And James and John try to get early dibs on who gets the right and left hand position beside King Jesus who's going to rule from Jerusalem. That's what's going on. And so when we look at this passage and we see, you know, maybe, you know, if we give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe Jesus is tired and the disciples are going to screen um, the visitors and guests. And they're going to just eliminate and keep from him those who are going to exhaust him. Right? Okay, so we can give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that would work. Maybe it works. I don't think it's a primary reason. I'll tell you why in just a second. But it, it could potentially be. Second reason, maybe. Well, maybe because they just talked about marriage and divorce and singleness. If you look in the context. They just talked about that. So the disciples are thinking, well, well, maybe these guys are infringing on our Jesus time. He's taking all these times for these kids and these children. And we have these major issues we want to resolve in our life because we're single. A lot of them were single, pro probably. Peter wasn't. He was married. But the marriage topic would definitely apply. Divorce, those topics are relevant. They hit hard. We've all experienced those things in our families. They're ready to have this deep discussion on these things. Maybe that's... That's 
part of the reason potentially could be, but I think it's a third and better reason of the three. Here's what I think is happening. I think that the disciples have a revolution in their eyeballs that Jesus is not going to Jerusalem to die. No way is he going to do that. He's going to ride in. Triumphal entry comes after this. He's going to ride in. Palms are going to wave. They're going to crown him king. And it's going to be a sensational deliverance for the nation of Israel. And when you have revolution in your eyes, and that is your primary focus, and that is how you're going to define greatness, you've got to fight and jockey for position. You've got to argue and call dibs on these spots in the kingdom. And this is going to be the way you live, and this is your high point in life. When you live for the revolution, what value is a child? How can they help us in this battle? We're going to give them swords, knives, or what are we going to do? How are they going to help us conquer? We have no time. Jesus, you have no time for them. They don't help your agenda any. They don't help our agenda any. Why are you taking time, precious time? And at this time, Jesus is just a few weeks out from crucifixion. And yet he says, boys, back it off. Let them come. Does that move you? It moves me. My heart's just, bam. It moves me. Because that Jesus is showing them how to be great. What true greatness is. He's staring at a cross within a week. His closest mentorees and protégés are, are arguing over these, the shallow ideas of what greatness is in their mind and their eyes. And so he's got that to deal with. And now he's got families bringing little infants. In some cases, Luke's parallel. This is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It was so important that all three synoptic gospel writers included it in their gospels. Uh, the word used for children in Luke is for little infants, little babies, one, two, three years of age. The word that Mark uses is uh, for people from infancy all the way up to 12 years of age. Okay, so you've got children of all ages that are coming to be blessed. They're being brought by their parents, not just mothers now, because it's it, the, the, uh, uh, when it says the disciples rebuke them, it's in the masculine tense. So you've even got fathers bringing their sons and their daughters to be blessed by the revolutionary, the soon-to-be King Jesus. Or in their minds, that's what they see and how they see it. And so when we read this, it's enlightening to me when I see that because Jesus steps into that and he says, I want you guys to see something. I want you to understand something. These kids and their ability and their willingness and their openness to place their confidence in me they know when those parents bring them, whoever brings them, they know they're going to be hugged. They're going to be accepted, right? They know that. Jesus says, of such is the kingdom of heaven. Now, why is it, why is it that you have a problem surrendering to Jesus again? Why is it? He's with tax collectors. He includes the marginalized and prostitutes. He fights for children. What is your delay? Why would you hesitate to run to him and to give him your life and to place your confidence in him for salvation, for life, for renewal, for restoration and recovery? Why is it again? I'm not understanding it. I'm not seeing it. You know, in a, episode chapter or episode three not chapter three episode three in the chosen you're going to see this if you haven't already Jesus senses that his father is leading him into a time of solitude and prayer and so in preparation for this next phase he finds a perfect spot on the outskirts of Capernaum with water and plenty of wood it's in a little clearing 
and you'll see it in, epi in episode three. And so he's got his woodworking tools, he's got a few clothes, and he's got a tent. And it kind of makes me want to go tent uh, camping, you know, just to watch the episode. It's just so, he's uh, just enjoying his time with the Father, but at the same time, there's a sense of sobriety that's coming over him because he knows what's coming in his public ministry. And one morning in episode three, one morning, nine-year-old Abigail with her doll made of yarn happens upon Jesus's campsite and she hides, but Jesus knows that she's there. And the next day, Abigail brings her, her buddy Joshua and they're hiding behind a rock outcropping in episode three and they're sneaking and they're watching Jesus as he's sitting at one of his little tables and he knows that the children are there again, but he lets on like he isn't aware. He pretends like he doesn't know they're hidden. Abigail and Joshua are hidden behind the little outcropping of rock. And so with bread in his hands, Jesus prays, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives forth bread from the earth. A very typical Jewish Hebrew prayer. And then in a, in a voice loud enough for Abigail and Joshua to hear, Jesus the Son of God, right? The Messiah. He ad-libs it. And I love that. He ad-libs the rest of the prayer. You know, blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who gives forth bread from this earth. And then he says, and I pray that if there are two, ever two children who come visit my home here, that you will give them the courage to say shalom. And they're giggling behind the outcropping of rock. And that they don't have to remain in hiding. Amen. Well, that was all that it took. A playful Jesus built the bridge. He built the bridge. And these two, you know how this goes, these two brought even more friends. And so the next day there were more there. And they loved Jesus. They loved investing time in, in Jesus and getting to know him. And, and he loved investing in them and teaching them, and he even remarked how he hoped that others, especially the adults in his future, would listen and learn so readily as the children did. And Abigail asked him, in that one of those campsite exchanges, she says, what is your reason for being here? And Jesus said, the answer is for all of you. And then just above a whisper, but with conviction, and a sob caught in his throat, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He quotes chapter, Luke chapter 4. Well, the next day, Abigail comes skipping from her modest little village home back to Jesus' campsite, but it's all empty now. The fire pit's cold. And she comes up and she sees a well-crafted dollhouse of wood, stone, and rope. And it contains little carved animals. You'll see it in episode 3, a little tiny ladder a table with a swatch of cloth covering it, and atop the house is written in charcoal on a piece of wood that Jesus left uh, for a message for Abigail. And it says, Abigail, I know you can read. You are very special. This is for you. I did not come only for the wealthy. The implication is he came for little peasant girls too. You know... When I think of children and I see them depicted in episode three and I see what we read here and actually all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I think we can all appreciate the beauty and the love and the childlikeness of a child. A child is curious, right? They love to ask why. And I know Jesus loves that. A child is trusting. They take you at your word. A child is open. They say what they think. A child is energetic. They like to move and fidget. Everything that makes life wonderful comes so easily to children. There's joy. There's freedom. There's trust. There's peace. 
There's imagination, there's celebration, there's spontaneity, there's creativity, there's openness, there's wonder. And they possess so few things that we adults possess and yet, and we seem to crave these things and yet they have so few of them. Like I said, very little money to call their own or there's very little prestige there's, and there's no sexual relationships, at least that we hope for anyway in, in today's time. There's very few possessions. They're not in charge of anything. And like I said, some of them can't even read yet. But what we see is that the fewer choices magnifies the one choice that kids do have and that you have today. You can choose Jesus. Be you a child or an adult, you can choose him. And my question is, why in the world wouldn't you? When you see who he is, what he represents, the fact that Jesus yearns for you to have the freedom of a toddler at play, he yearns for you to know that kind of joy. He longs to impute that kind of joy and interject that kind of joy into your life to, to create in you a new creation, a toddler at play, as carefree as a, an imaginative, wonder-filled, awe-filled toddler at play. And that's, to answer Abigail's question, that's why he's come. You know, a little later in uh, Mark chapter 10, if we go to verse 45 on the screen for me, this comes a little later in the chapter to answer Abigail's question. For even the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Notice it doesn't say he just came to die. He came to give his life. What's he giving his life for? He's giving his life for Abigail. He's giving his life for Joshua. He's giving his life for you and for me. He's intentionally doing something. Not just dying. He's giving his life as a sacrifice. As a ransom for many. And it's a ransom. It's, 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 it's a military term. Um, a warfare term. When, you're, when you have... A warfare in this time, it ended one of two ways. Either if you didn't win, you were either killed or you were taken captive. And the only way you could be freed from captivity was if someone would come, another country or somebody would, would come and pay enough money for you to be ransomed, for you to be set free. And so Jesus came to intentionally give his life and he came to change your condition and the condition he's come to change is to release you so that you can be a toddler at play. Without the care of this world worrying you and defeating you, we all just are so burdened by the world and by the issues of our age. And not to, not to oversimplify this, you know, when Jesus says to be childlike he's not saying to be childish right we can be demanding children can be short-tempered and sulky and stubborn and thankless and selfish and i've raised three and i know what i'm talking about so when we say childlike and childish it's a very sharp distinction and jesus says i want you to be childlike i want you to come to me with the understanding 100% of the time, you're going to be accepted in me. You're going to accept my acceptance of you. My question is this morning, why in the world would you delay that? Why would you not run to him? As a child ran to him, as these children ran to him, here in this beautiful passage, if we go back to it again, you know, people were bringing little children, verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, to show favor, to, put, to place power on them and through them and over them. But the disciples rebuked them. I was amazed this week when I, I saw that term was used as a reprimand in, a, in an exorcism scene in the Gospels. That same word, rebuke. In other words, demon, get out! Right? Get out! Right? That's what they were saying to these 
families to these people bringing these, all these children with revolution in their eyes and these, these so-called, quote-unquote, these kids that are never helping effect a revolution. Get out! Get out! Jesus saw it. He saw it. And when he sees it, these disciples acting as a barrier rather than a bridge... Verse 14, he gets flaming hot. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, the text says. They were mis misrepresenting his value system. They were missing what true greatness was. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. You guys start allowing this. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Why? Because they totally embrace Jesus without conditions. They don't come negotiating. They just come. Just like Luke last week. I'm going to go hug that guy because I know he's going to hug me. I know he is. And it is a very precious age. Like I said, I've been doing this a long time. It seems like every young boy, young girl will go through that very precious age when there's like, they, set, they set self-consciousness to the side and they go hug somebody because they, they need it. The person needs the hug and maybe they want to receive the hug. And it's a beautiful thing. And Jesus says, Jesus says, if you want to know me and you want to, you want to drink in the fullness of what I've come to offer, you'll do just that thing with me set self-conscious to the side run up and hug me place your total confidence in me i will bless your life truly i tell you verse 15 anyone who will not receive the kingdom of god like a little child will never enter it why because because we sit on the throne of pride of our life we won't enter it because we're too proud to come that way the disciples thought, you know, children cannot come into the kingdom until they're grown-ups. Jesus says, grown-ups cannot come into the kingdom until they become like children. And so the, the implied appeal this morning, if you want to be great, get off of your throne. If you want to be great, slow down and, and throw a kid as high as you can safely throw them and catch them just before they collide with the ground. Preferably. I remember playing with the kids and they always would want to rest around and stuff and play. And they would just, I could do this for hours with them, but I would lift, you know, Will and Levi up as high as I could, as high as the ceiling would allow. And I would just body slam them on the bed. They would just boom and they bounce up like that. They're like three or four feet off the bed. And, and I just, they just loved that. They would giggle. And then when I would get really tired of doing that, I would just put a little more umph on the body slam. Boom. And then they would get up and run to mommy. And then I could go do my reading or whatever else I had to do. Just a little harder body slam would fix it. <laughs> Jesus says, you want to be great? That's greatness. You boys got big scepters and crowns in your eyes you disciples you think that's great don't you well you, this is what's great if you want to be great get down on all fours and put a three-year-old on your back and buck them off <laughs> that's greatness if you want to be great you pull up the shirt of a three or four year old and blow a raspberry on their little warm bellies and make sounds that only a child would appreciate. You know what I'm talking about. If you wanna be great, Jesus says, that's how you're great. Do you find it offensive that a royal messiah acts like this? Are you offended that Messiah Jesus is this way with children? 
Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. A child loving Jesus makes him so much more accessible. I don't know why you're waiting. Why are you delaying? He says, just be childlike. Well, I'm too proud. No, it's got to be more than that. No, no, I've got to understand I got to understand Easter and all that happened at Easter. And I got to understand the cross and the cosmic stuff happened at the cross. I got to understand baptism. I got to understand theology. You know, I got to understand all the worldview things. We're going to talk about all those things. But here's the thing. Jesus says, if you really want to understand the gospel, the gospel is good news because it gives you someone to place your confidence in more than an argument to assent to. I don't know why. Especially... When the chosen shows us, again, I reiterate this. The chosen shows us that Jesus goes to dinner with prostitutes. He parties with tax collectors. He plays with children. He gets ticked off if they're ignored. Why would you not want to run to him? And and he took the children in his arms, verse 16, on the screen. And the phrase took the children in his arms, one word in Greek, It means to fold them in his arms. What's that mean? He enfolded them. He held them tight. He squeezed them. He secured them. If they were small, he lifted them up and he held them. And and maybe he blew a raspberry. If they were bigger, he sat down. They sat on his lap. If it's a, a 10, 11, 12 year old, maybe. They sat on his lap. He enfolded them. He touched them. He spoke the language of childhood. And I'll talk to you about that in just a second as we wrap this up. He placed his hands on them. And he blessed them one by one. He blessed them. uh, It's an intensive force, the verb is. So he blessed them fervently. He was so intent. He was totally undivided in his attention with each and every one. He kept on blessing them, the the tense suggests. And so it just was on and on and on. And the disciples were getting more upset and more upset. And you know how this goes. You know, when when you've got a little kid that's receiving a blessing, you know, Jesus, by the way, will you bless my hamster while I'm here? Will you bless my little pet rabbit? Will you bless my little pet lamb? And on and on and on it went. And the disciples were just getting so ticked that they go into this. They use this word that's used for exorcism. And they say, get out. This is not helping us accomplish a revolution. And Jesus says, if you boys just stand down for a second, just stand down for a second, you're going to see greatness. I'm going to be gone someday in about one week. I'm going to be hanging on a tree in Jerusalem. About one week. Two weeks at the most. And you're going to see what servanthood is. And you're going to see what greatness is. If you'll just stand down a minute, you might learn something. Do you want to be great? You know, uh, Gary Chapman has authored The Five Love Languages. Many of you have heard of that because that's a book and it's really applicable in marriage and trying to understand the love language of a spouse. There's five of them like physical touch, acts of service, quality time, uh, gift giving, words of affirmation. And you all have a love language. And, um, And I was thinking about that this week and how I look at this, and it's like Jesus knows how to speak children because he spoke all five in our passage. People were bringing little children to, to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, verse 13. What is that? Physical touch, right? You know that children are healthier emotionally if they have a lot of physical connection, like that healthy physical connection with a parent, people in their family. Verse 16, and he took the children in his arms. Why? To get them on eye level because they're too short otherwise. And so that's what we do, right? When a child is an infant, you feed, clean, and change them. And as they grow, you serve them by letting them, helping to see things they couldn't ordinarily see or touch or taste or smell or hear. You do things for them that they cannot do for themselves. So there's acts of service. Hoist them up. Put them on eye level. And when Jesus saw this, verse 14, he was indignant, right? He said to to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. What? He's giving them quality time. 
The child has your undivided attention. There's nothing more important than that. He placed his hands on them. What a gift. Can't you imagine this? Years later, when these little children are 30 and 40 and 50, they get to tell people, you know, one time there's a guy from Galilee that died on a cross. And we're not sure exactly what all that means yet. But I want to tell you, I was the one of the ones that he held. And he blessed. What a gift. And he blessed them. So there's words of affirmation. He pictured a special future for them. Are you a principal? Are you a teacher? Are you a food services worker or a bus driver? Are you an assistant or a groundskeeper? Learn how to speak children. Five tools that you're given today. Unconditional acceptance. You open up your arms and they walk right in. And in that is the gospel proclaimed. Uh, Gary Chapman said, when my son was four, he would run to the door and begin climbing up my leg the moment I came home. And uh, if I sat down, he was in my lap. So his love language was physical touch. He says these things come online about age four. You start seeing what their language is about age four. My daughter never did that. He says, she would say, come into my room, daddy. I'd get home from work. Come into my room, daddy. I want to show you something. Her love language was quality time. I want to show you something. Spend some time, undivided attention with it. You start to see around age four, according to Chapman. I think that's probably true as I reflect on my experiences that way. Norman Geisler on the slide Norman Geisler, he's an apologist and a Christian author. And he tells this story in his book, Why I Am a Christian. I read stuff like that because I, I want to understand the deeper reasons why we do anything. But after I see a, a message like this, I see the beauty of Jesus. I totally understand why I would want to be a Christian or why I am a Christian, why I think you would want to be a, a believer. But um, in this book, he shares about how his wife and his little two-year-old daughter, Sarah, were traveling from Jordan to Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, by way of the West Bank, crossing over the Allenby Bridge. And uh, uh, he's a very good speaker. He's, he's since gone to heaven now, uh, but he's a great apologist. He's written many great books. He's just a, 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 very, a, a person in very much demand. So, but he was in the Middle East doing some speaking, some touring and things. And so they, they cross um, the Allenby Bridge, which is kind of out of Palestinian West Bank controlled area into Israel proper. And, and one, once it, they were on Israeli soil, they were taken um, to a highly secured immigration building for a routine but rigorous time of questioning. And everybody prepared them for this. It's going to be a very long day. So it's it's Norm Geisler, it's his wife, and their little two-year-old Sarah, their daughter Sarah, two years of age. And they're trying to procure a visitor's visa, right, so they could travel in Israel. So when you come from other countries like that, you have to be very cautious if you're Israel. Israel's like this little island of sanity in an insane Middle East. It's just crazy. So they've got to be extremely careful. And I know it's not politically correct to say that today, but that's the way it is, okay? And the three of them, these, the, these three... Um, Norm and his wife and his two-year-old daughter, Sarah, they stood in line in one of the lines, and the room was full of machine gun-bearing soldiers, right? There are sandbags that are packing against every wall in this interrogation room and building, and uh, everyone was tense, and they're emotionally drained. And finally, it was the Geisler family's turn to be interrogated, and he, and he didn't know it at the time, uh, Geisler, the, the dad didn't know at the time, but little two-year-old Sarah was locked in an eye-to-eye -eye combat with one of the soldiers in a stare-down. A two-year-old staring down a soldier. And there was, a, there was a, a, for some reason, a lull in the activity and the hectic stuff that was happening in the room, the interrogation and the talking. It was just a lull. It just got very, very quiet. And the silence was finally broken, Geisler says, by little squeaky little voice, two-year-old Sarah, his daughter, 
breaks the silence in the stare down with an Israeli soldier with a machine gun. And she says, excuse me, do you have any bubble gum? Geisler says, in that moment, the whole room changed. Amidst the weapons of war and revolution, all the adult ideas and the concerns of a safe and secure passage, all the eyes in the room fell on the soldier. What would he do? He paused for a moment. And he carefully handed his machine gun to a colleague. He went over to little Sarah. And he picked her up in his arms. And he held her. He disappeared for a moment or two. He returned Sarah in one arm. A tray with three glasses of lemonade in the other hand. And Norm said their interrogation got really short after that. And the soldier drove them to the taxi stand, the same one that went and got the lemonade, drove them to the taxi stand, and he sent them on their way to Jericho. According to Jesus, that is greatness. That's greatness. And anybody can be great. Anybody. So back to Abigail's question from episode three, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, why did you come, Jesus? Well, if we go to Mark chapter 10, verse 45 again for me. To give his life as a ransom for many. What he came to do, give his life. Why he came to die, a ransom for many. How do you personally connect to this? I've just answered it. Childlike. You're childlike in your reception of him. Children are dependent. They're weak. They're helpless, of course. But another thing that children are, they expect to be accepted by those that love them. A four-year-old can walk right into the room and assure everybody just is interested in what they have to say. They can ask for things like bubble gum. And that resonates. They're totally sure of acceptance. Last week, when Luke walked up to hug me, he was 100% sure that I would not turn away and turn my back on him. He, knew, he knows I love him, even if he wants to beat me up. He knows I love him. Childlike. Are you like a toddler at play? Or are you carrying the load of the world on your shoulders? Would you like to lift the load? Would you like to have somebody set you free? Why would you ever delay this man we call Jesus? The God man. Why would you ever hesitate? Oh, plunge right on in and live. You know, we had a great week this week. You're probably wondering why this pineapple is sitting on my table. Charger, back to school event. You never know what's going to show up in some of those containers. This was the only one of these that showed up. And I'm like, you know what, Sunday, this has been such a great day. I'm going to tell you some numbers in just a second. It was such a great event that I am going to drink water in style at church on Sunday. This is, yes, in case you're asking, yes, this is actually just water. Okay, that's all it is. My little pina colada. I know quality when I see it. Made in China. Okay. Like I said, I know quality when I see it, right? Mm. Refreshing H2O, right? I was water boy more than anything else on Friday. 
running back and forth, getting people water. You guys showed up. You should have seen your church members and not just our church. There was other churches and organizations. Back and forth they went, loading just so many. Of the, well, let me just share with you the numbers. You're going to love this. God is just so good. Number of cars that drove through our campus was 375 cars. It was kind of interesting, you know, I would stick my head in the window, like a bearded, just ugly bearded guy, stick his head in the window. The kids would be like, who, is, who are you and why is your head sticking through my window? Mr. Shepherd on the other side would stick his head through. Oh, Mr. Shepherd. Oh, it's good to see you, Mr. Shepherd. So, so, you know, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll just let Mr. Shepherd do that part. <laughs> Total student school supplies, 696. Girls socks, 197. Girls underwear, 192. Boys socks, 232 given away. Boys underwear, 270. Boys are ripping through underwear faster than the girls. I don't know what's going on there. But laundry soap, 80. Toiletry items, you heard about the family that helped pack those, 339. Trash cans with household goods in them. You should have seen the Stones Hill team on that. 339 book bags, 441. I saw, I know, I'm no kidding, a seventh grade boy with hair down to here and he had his bright yellow book bag already on his back by the time he got to the food line. Start at the elementary school, get your stuff, come down the hill. Bill Deggie and his team had food. I mean, we had people buried in boxes. I mean, I just told him, when it comes to your stop, stick your hand up because mom and dad don't see you anymore in the back seat. I mean, there's boxes, boxes. So many things. They were given. In fact, like I said, I was water boy, so I just ran water and Gatorade. And then, and then my volunteers got choosy. It's like they wanted supper. So I had to find granola bars. And then they wanted particular kinds of granola bar. They wouldn't accept the strawberry and the, and the cherry and raspberry. No, they got to have peanut butter and chocolate. And so I had, to get, I had to go, you know, pilfering through the boxes to get peanut butter and chocolate. Mark Ash will tell you all about it. Great job. But you did a great job. You did fantastic. I'm just so proud of everybody. And so it, that's a sustainable project to do from year to year. We had police officers. Last year we had people backed up on 33. And, and some of you here helped direct the traffic because you're officers. And Chris here kind of represented that group. And you and Brandon Cordes, C-H-O-R-D-A-S, not Corliss, it's Cordes. I learned that this week. Okay. He helped design the traffic flow, Charger Avenue. Those online, just stand down for a second. Okay. You're not going to know this, but Charger Avenue, go on Charger Avenue, by the athletic fields, up Snake, up to the elementary school and around and down to the middle school and then out. Worked like a charm in an 81 degree sunshine filled day. And you learn stuff about people when you do that. Like I had no idea that Ashley Shepard loves pickles, but she does. How did I learn that? Just having an impromptu conversation, giving food away at the middle school. So you get to know people better. You get to love people better. All races came through there. All genders, all sexual orientations. I, I mean, everybody was represented there. And they all got covered up in boxes. Isn't that beautiful? See, that's what Jesus is talking about. The new community is a place where it lives out the gospel. And it lives it out in a beautiful way. You know, I, I think it's beautiful too that we have people in our church that say, you know what, Pastor, I'd love to pray for the people of our schools and the people of our church and the children of our church. Because see... Children just aren't a byproduct. They're one of the primary reasons we're here. And you're going to learn that in the next series we do called a Christian Worldview, Biblical Worldview. Oh, my goodness. There better be places that, that present a, do a good job of presenting a biblical worldview. If, if not, they, kids will get swallowed up in, that, in the stuff and issues of today. They'll get totally lost, be totally lost. But we're committed to that, and we'll do that in ideological ways, theological ways, and in practical ways. So today, uh, I drink, I celebrate, 
out of this high-quality pineapple. That's the suggestion of one of our workers that I do this. So you enjoy it today. I've enjoyed it today. I've had a great week. God is good. You're making a difference. Chad and Carrie Bloss, come and share with us a closing, if you would, please. Can we give everybody a hand for the great job of serving this week? Yes. Hello. <laughs> we would like to take a minute to pray for an amazing ministry in our community. This ministry is focused on loving children the way that Jesus loves them. And some of you in this ministry started last week, and some of you are about to start this week. And children, what I'd like to do is just have a seat along the stairs and just spread out all through here. And the ministry is public school. So we really want to um, invite you, if you are in any way connected with serving at the public school system, if you're a teacher, teaching assistant, bus driver, uh, custodian, uh, groundskeeper, administration, coach, please come forward, and we would like you to sit on the steps with the children. So if you are in any way connected with the public school system, please stand, and we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you, and please come up and sit on the steps with us. Thank you so much. We appreciate you, and we know that um, working and serving in the public school system is more than a job to you. It is your calling. It's your passion. And you have opportunity to serve and love our children just the way we talked about today where Jesus says, let the children come to me, and you're going to be hugging them this week, and you're going to be encouraging them sharing your calm with them, sharing your joy with them. So we just want to take this special time to pray for you. And as everyone out here, and if you're online joining us, please pray for them also. If you can pick a few kids and pick a few staff members and just pick them out and be praying for them this week and throughout the year, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for the beautiful weather, Lord, that you have bestowed upon us. Um, Lord, we thank you for sending your son, Lord Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you, Lord, that we can boldly come before your throne. And uh, as Nate sang, as we are, we thank you so much for that, Lord. And Lord, as we embark on a new school year, um, we just want to lift up our teachers, um, our staff, our administrators, um, our school boards, um, our coaches that are represented in all of the uh, uh, schools that are represented here today, Lord. Um, we just thank you for their ministry. We thank you for their hard work, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just uh, pray for patience and we pray for endurance in this new school year, Lord. Lord, but we also uh, pray for um, your protection for them against Satan, and even in certain instances uh, against our, some of our bureaucrats, Lord. And Lord, I uh, uh, pray for our children. Lord, they're so precious. And Lord, we just uh, thank you for our teachers that uh, we entrust with their hearts. And Lord, I just pray over them. I pray, Lord, for your hedge of protection. Um, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would just allow them to have a good school year. I pray, Lord, uh, you know, we don't know what the school year brings, but Lord, we serve the God who walks before us, and we thank you for that. And Lord, um, we love you, and we just pray, Lord, that uh, this school year is, is an awesome one. And Lord, we also pray that uh, um, some cool things that would happen this year. We love you, Lord, and we pray for a, um, just a good, restful rest of our day. For all of this we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. I think we're all dismissed. <laughs>